Hello, everybody, and welcome to Some Patches Required. My name is Aaron Demana. And my name is Zach Frank. And in a rare show of uh, competency, I would like to come right up front and say thank you to everyone who's listened to us since day one, whether you've come in or out. And if this is your first time, welcome. Uh, we're really glad you're here. Uh, to both parties, now that you're one party, we'd like you to, if you could, uh, rate, review, maybe subscribe, or if you're so inclined, uh, share our podcast with a friend who you think maybe might like it. And then before we dive too deep, just so we don't lose you right up front, uh, we are going to be talking for the main portion of this episode about the kind of weird conversation about video game remakes and re-releases, which is something that we've seen a lot more of in the last couple of uh, generations, but is something that's going to continue to kind of change and evolve, and we kind of wanted to talk through it. We hope you'll join us by not leaving the podcast. Please don't leave. Join us. One of us. One of, One us. of us. What is that from, by the way? I, I am awful that I don't know. Uh, it's. I think it's from many things. I believe the first time I saw it was in iRobot, which is incredibly bad. So um, let me Google that. Is it One Wolf of, of Wall Street? Of... Isn't that like a meme? One of I think that's, I mean, I don't know. One of us, quote, Wolf original. of Wall Street. Welcome to our podcast. Here's where we Google. Well, so the beginning oh, of it, um, yeah, it, it is from... Oh, Gobble Gobble, the, One of Us. Gobble is... Gobble Hey. The Motion Picture Freaks. Huh. That's what I thought it was, because, like, I've seen this on the... Basically, for those that don't know, like, the majority of podcast Twitter is just people... And we do it, too, and I actually love the, like, self love that people or not the self-love but like the reciprocated love that everyone gives out to like promote other podcasts but basically it's like you pod lift other people and then they'll send a gif at you and then you send a gif at them and they're all just like really they're not cheesy but they're also kind of cheesy just like emotional i I detract just look at any of the things where someone's like can you recommend a podcast and you'll see it happening and also you know like the scene from pirates of the caribbean with like captain jack sparrow running away from like all the native people yeah and two yeah Yeah, and two that's what i imagine whenever people are like can i get podcast recommendations because have you ever like looked at those people after they say it they get like flooded with ads for different podcasts (laughs) Have you noticed that? There's a million podcasts. Yeah. Well, it's because like, yeah, so many people are like in these kind of like close knit retweet networks, which we're now in one. So thank you, everyone that's in Podpocalypse that has supported us, etc. Uh, yeah, but, seriously, thank you. Y'all been y'all been awesome. But um, like with that, it's just like I, I don't think people understand what they're asking for when they're like, can you please recommend a podcast? I'm like, oh, dear, you have opened the floodgates. In a very literal sense, yes. In a very literal sense. In a very literal digital, making a literal difference metaphorically, Bo Burnham. Okay, so I <laughs> told you. It's a very literal metaphorical thing. Yes, you did. I, I told you I was going to do something, by the way. I'm trying to push this around so we can get to the, the Games Workshop stuff, the, the but I have to share this it. picture with you, and I want to know your immediate thoughts. So I oh, was looking gracious. for what was trending on Twitter today, right? 
and I saw this picture. So I'm going to send you the link to this Twitter post. You should just be able to see it in Discord right now, okay? Do you see the picture? Okay, I, I do. I do see. It looks like it. Lo- I mean, for, okay. I just. I actually did take my glasses off. So give me a hot sec because it does look like Mads Mikkelsen, uh, Hideo Kojima, uh, the guy from The Walking Dead, whose name I actually do know, and I think Idris Elba. So what? Like, what is this? What? Uh, what With does this paper. make you feel like? What what feeling does this image give you? Because there's a very specific one when I saw this image that it gave me. I'll, um, I'll, I'll just share mine real quick and I'll see what I, your yeah. response is. I feel like I'm this is to, like Norman I just Reedus. dropped. It's in, it's in the fucking it's in the hashtags. I, I knew Norman Reedus's name. I I've pooped as him many times in Death Stranding. <laughs> I've made bombs out of his fecal matter multiple times and blood, right or whatever. Also, that's wicked. Not Idris Elba. <laughs> Oh yeah, no, that's definitely not. Um, but uh, I need my glasses. This this looks a hundred percent to me like we're gonna drop a new EP. Oh, like, it this looks just like looks like a band. Like if this was just the album cover for like Hideo Kojima's next single that released on Spotify, I wouldn't even be surprised. Also, all of them is Hideo Kojima also smoking? Because I recognize all of the rest of them are do have a cigarette. Hideo Kojima seems to be holding it in a very particular manner. <laughs> it does look like he doesn't actually have a cigarette in this picture, yeah. and he's instead pretending to have a cigarette. Which is what I would have done in a similar situation, <laughs> frankly. Uh, uh, so, like, we'll have to find a way to, like, share this image with people so that they d- know what the hell we're talking about. But basically, Kojima was, like, trending today. I think it was because the director's cut of um, Death Stranding uh, came Death out. Death Stranding, yeah. But, like, it's this picture of, like... Um, Norman. It does look like someone's about to drop a mistape. Yeah, Norman Reedus. Norman Reedus. Sam Porter Bridges. Clifford Unger. Um, Mads Mikkelsen and and Kojima. But like, there, it's just such a weird. I don't know. I just feel like it's such a weird picture. I feel like the fact too that like Norman Reedus has a shirt on on that says Kojima on it, with Kojima there, and them being friends is strange. Well, like it is. It well, there's there's almost certainly. There has to be something purposeful going on there because I believe, well, Sam Porter Bridges is obviously the character that Norman Reedus plays. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, in Death Stranding, Mads Mikkelsen is also in Death Stranding. Hideo Kojima obviously made Death Stranding. Hmm. Well, I think this is after a script reading. That's what I think. If you look on the ground, I think that's a script. By I mean, it looks, it looks like a script. It's, it's either a tease or a throwback. Yeah. But regardless, the picture is sublime. It's just like so strange. Like it I, looks like it looks like several grown men in college. It it really does. I also just love that like it, it, so if Kojima is faking to smoke a cigarette, one that's hilarious. The other thing Two, that I just he's funny, me from college. <laughs> oh, yeah, 100%. Well, it, it, just like I said the the shirt, that just weirds me out so much because I know they're friends or like they're fans of each other at least. But like that's like, in my opinion, me hanging out with you and having a shirt that was like Damana on it or something. Like, well, it, I feel like it would be made perhaps more weird to the passerby because if 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 I just wore a shirt that said Frank, <laughs> maybe they thought that I was a big uh, fan of the film Frank. There's a, is film that a film called Frank. I'm pretty sure there's a film called Frank. Um. Or maybe they're a fan of that one contestant from Hell's Kitchen uh, who 
did a really bad job on the fish station multiple times. But Oh, there is a film called Frank. It came out in 2014. Yeah, that was right. It's like a paper mache it. head man. Yes. Okay, that's exactly the one I was thinking of. I was worried that for whatever... And I do not know why this is the name that came in. I was worried that I thought it was called Hector. It's got Ron Weasley in it. It does have... uh, Rupert Grint is up in Frank? I think think so. Uh, (laughs) Okay, now we're just... This is our new podcast, Googling Frank. Uh, Maybe not. I don't know. Maybe it's just someone that really looks like him and has red hair. And my Uh, bias against gingers is showing now, so I'm going to stop talking. Rupert. Oh, no, no, that's not him. That... Is it? I don't think it's him. He looks similar, though, I feel like. I I did find... Now, I did accidentally type uh, Google Frank Frank uh, Robert Gilbert. Well, not Robert Gilbert, Rupert Grint film. And I found something called Art Blart. With well, posts that apparently have multiple tags under uh, Dale Frank Ryan Gosling. Huh. No, that's not... I do I, not care to spend much you, more time on this website, but... I sent you the picture that I was talking about in Discord. Oh, well, that that would probably have been more expedient of me to just look at that. Well, no, I just uh, sent it, so to be fair. No, well, but it, does it, that it, not it, look like... I have not received it. Did I send that to a random person? No, it's definitely you. I really hope so. <laughs> I really... No, that wicked does. It kind of looks like Paul Dano a little bit, oh. but it's not. Well, anyway. Anyway. This is not important. Is I, it Ed Sharon, maybe? <laughs> Uh, it's also not oh, them, Ed Sheer- but, no it's definitely not it's definitely i, mean, I know him. it's not but the, the swoop the all swoop gingers look me. the same is what we're saying um god anyway uh i've detracted from this for far too long i just saw that hideo kojima photo and was like huh this is a vibe like just you yeah. know the cool dads hanging out or like you said college uh college days i don't know it's got like a it's there's just like so many strange vibes it's a very wholesome photo i guess other than the fact they're smoking i think it's domhnall gleason are you are you talking about the redhead guy yes the from the cast of frank (laughs) oh i have no idea i believe it's domhnall gleason um that is uh not relevant and i did cut you off to make that extremely unnecessary point oh um but no that is a that is a picture with vibes to spare no doubt Oh right. shit! Scoop, Mc, Scoop McNary was up in there too. I forgot about that. And Michael Fassbender. Did you just say Man, Scoop this cast, McNary? This is a good cast. What? Oh my god! His name is Scoop McNary. Yeah, dude's name is Scoop McNary. Damn. Well, interesting. I'm just like that's a ridiculous name. Let me see. Scoop McNary. No, boy's name is Scoot. Huh? That's not what I would think a guy named Scoot McNary would look like. But now, do you know. please explain to me what you think a guy named Scoot would look like? I was ex- I was honestly expecting less attractive. Guy can, like, rock a pretty strong mustache, I feel like. Yeah. Huh. Interesting. Well, anyway, I've detracted heavily from video games and any topic even close to video games, so that segment went interestingly. But, uh... Uh, Well, as it it often does for us. Um... But I I, I had another thing which was more relevant, which was just to say that um, in in, uh, episode six... Uh, we talked briefly about IP usage, and we did a big comparison between how Disney has largely used the Star Wars IP versus, like, uh, Games Workshop uh, and the use of the Warhammer IP. And uh, there's been a lot of updates recently um, following the hiring of Finn Arneson, uh, who was a previous Hasbro exec. 
He was hired on to Games Workshop as the lead live action and animated content. Um, I don't know if I, I thought I put more than that, but anyway, he's in charge of all of that and kind of fire and, and sorry, and kind of following that, uh, they've made a lot of efforts to actually ramp up the streaming service that they have going on. And as a result, they've actually put a lot of uh, uh, no tolerance policies towards people making fan content on YouTube. And I just wanted to bring that up because I thought it was really interesting because we really praised or at least I did, I praised Games Workshop for their kind of laissez-faire attitude about how to promote their IP. And now they're on YouTube basically telling content creators to either join their streaming service and join Games Workshop, or they're going to just completely, um, you know, basically use the legal system to bully them off of the internet. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and unless I'm, I'm misreading the notes here, I believe it's live and an animated content, like entertainment development. So basically just like kind of running the show, obviously with other people, but mm. I, I wasn't as effusive as you were. I don't think uh, just because I don't have as much of a, you know, close relationship with the games, that games workshop publishes or produces in house or whatever. And I was still even surprised to see, well, I wasn't surprised, but it was interesting how quick that turnaround came and the fact that it came alongside the launch of a streaming service sadly does not surprise me yeah it's just kind of funny because and this isn't to like i hope this didn't come off mean but like i I know you're not as familiar with like warhammer right so like the interesting thing that's just straight true well yeah no i don't (laughs) i don't know what to say but uh basically a lot of the growth from warhammer has come from people uh that are making fan-made content on youtube whether that be like lore videos or like there's the astardes animation which is basically this guy that makes like a fully 3d animated series of shorts that like feature oh they're incredible you should look like anybody should check them out they're really cool um i'd actually be tempted for you to check them like out an episode and just give me your thoughts at, at some point oh, i'd love that uh give, shoot me shoot me a link to that i'll put it in the, the show notes and then i'll check it out yeah um but uh anyway like that's basically been a huge growth vertical for them they've seen massive amount of growth they've had a ton of success with like total war warhammer all these other games right and it's just very strange for them to then say to all the creatives creators that have basically made them popular hey you know, join us or get out, right? And I think that's the big thing. I was talking to some of my friends that are really big fans, and it it looks like GW used to be very anti, like, fan-made content in the past, and it was getting better. But now this is kind of a reversal from that. And I think you mentioned that you watched the entirety of the Bruva Alpha Busa video, and he's the guy that does um, text-to-speech, if the Emperor had text-to-speech. And in that, I think he even mentions, like, GW may be regressing in terms of how they treat fan content and how they value it. So, yeah, I I did watch that entire video, and uh, I I should be completely upfront when I say that I have never watched uh, the the, uh, Texas Beach series, that that he and, and, and apparently several other very talented collaborators have been working on, and to my understanding, to the point where they could use that as a full time job which is pretty impressive for something so niche. Yeah. Um, and and also, frankly, something so uh, based on an IP that they don't own, which I consider a positive that that was possible, not, not any excuse for, you know, concern. Like, if I was starting it, 
you know, even back then I, I would have been concerned, but the fact that they've been able to make it keep going is pretty impressive. And the fact that they've been able to make a living off of it is pretty impressive. But I did watch that and they were talking about the fact that this reversal was kind of sudden, but not entirely unexpected. Mm-hmm. Um, but still pretty devastating. Um, yeah. To, to a whole group of people, including the, uh, the Afabasa gentleman who uh, recently had a child <laughs> and yeah. uh, is for that reason, stopping work on the project because he fears that if he continues to produce new content. So the, the, the existing content on the site on YouTube, which has been distributed for free, but from which he has profited mm-hmm. and his team has profited will remain until it's taken down by somebody else. But adding anything else, he is desperately terrified will either embroil him in a, 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 a legal battle that he can't possibly afford with a child on, I don't know what is what he's making, but, mm-hmm. but with a child. And so they're, they're pausing it. And the video is very upfront and saying that like, we know we're disappointing some fans and we're going to keep trying to make stuff, but it's just literally not safe for us right now. And that kind of sucks. And even if they come back in a couple of months and say, well, we're reversing it, we're not going to start this back up until we have steadfast guarantees. Mm -hmm. And then went on to talk about the idea that, which kind of echoes what you said, where you're basically getting free advertising as a, as a company by letting people engage in your community letting people make that community their own, letting people tell their own stories within that community. And the fact that you've made something that people want to engage with, not just in the capacity that you've built for them, but in the capacity that you allow them to exist is, is really powerful and incredible and can benefit both the community, the content creators, and the people behind the game and may end up making things better for the bottom line for the company. But that's all getting hucked. Yeah, I would. I, I think that's like the well. One, I want to say that that the Alphabusa. Hopefully, I'm probably butchering the name, but whatever. I think um, I probably did too. And, and <laughs> sir, if I if I did mess that up, I'm so sorry. <laughs> um, I did watch the entire video, and I, I was extremely moved by your message. So if I have uh, mispronounced your name, I apologize. Well, that yeah, that's what I was gonna say. Kind of like an exit thing, because I just wanted to bring this topic up briefly, because it was interesting that we talked about it in episode six, and it's kind of already changed um, in a lot of ways. But I think it's a really interesting thirty-minute-long video, because it's fairly long, but like you definitely do find yourself like sympathizing with the situation, and I think it's very yeah. easy to like only look at it kind of as like the news headliner, right, and be like, oh, they're like. Um, stepping up their copyright protection and not really see the real impact that that has on certain people. And I, and I'm, I mean, like, I don't think that I'd call GW like a monster for this decision. Technically it's their IP. It's within their right to be able to do it. But it was just really interesting hearing it from this creator's position. Cause I feel like he was very like open and vulnerable about his whole situation and how, Absolutely. like where he was in his life. And I thought that was really cool to like, he, I mean, obviously it's not cool that he's in that situation. Like this was very much like, a project of love that he was doing, but yeah. Um, but, but to, cool to, to be that vulnerable him. is to be that vulnerable in general is really hard to be that vulnerable on the internet. When you have people who want you to give them something that you've made them and that you want to make for them is rough. Yeah. Uh, especially when, even though it wasn't technically your decision, it 
was ultimately your decision because you could have done some like pirate radio shit, mm-hmm. you know, and gone completely rogue on it. But this this person decided to prioritize his family, which I respect. But I hate that that was a decision that had to be made. But regardless, yeah, um, I, I'm actually going to probably start watching some of those videos because they sound awesome um, tonight, actually, after the podcast. So uh, anyway, that, that, that. But then I, I'd also like, just before we jump off of that one, I want to draw a quick parallel to Nintendo, who has drawn headlines and yet somehow very little widespread ire for crushing fan projects that weren't intending to make money. Mm-hmm. I mean, how many times have you seen headlines about like fan makes incredible Ocarina of Time remake three quarters of the way done from the ground up in Unreal, and then Nintendo's like, nope, cease and desist. Well, so I don't know about that one specifically, but I know there was, I think it was Pokemon Uranium, which was a like, um, it was like a, like a, like a yeah. GBA a style. New- yeah, well, it was like a. It wasn't in the 3D style. It was definitely a callback to like the older 2D games, but it yeah, no, came I mean, out. Not I, mean, all I that. said GBA, like Game Boy Advance. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think you said like Jibby, like. No, the, no, 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 no. But sorry. but yeah, no, it, it it was very much like that. Um, but it was just completely fan made. They weren't even trying to make any money off of it. But I think it was out for like maybe a week. Got really positive reviews. People thought it was really cool that it was entirely fan made. And then I think it got took taken down. Now I did, did try to find it early, like not all that long ago and you can probably still technically download it. I definitely it, don't know anyone who did have a copy when it got taken down. I think it's secretly gotten uploaded somewhere, but it's the I, internet. Everything's been secretly uploaded. Yeah, once somewhere. it's up there, it's hard to get it down, but except for I can't find and now I'm not going to be able to remember the goddamn name of the thing and I was going to put a call out to our millions and millions of listeners. So I'm just going <laughs> to cut this part. Anyway, continue. Well, I mean, did you have anything else on that Nintendo front? Are we just bringing up that they also have a history of like shutting that down? I didn't want to. I, mean, I was gonna. No, you're good. I, I was I was gonna leave it at that for the most part, but then just like as a quick one sentence addendum, and I don't know if this has changed. The closest one I could, the closest article that I could find uh, to this date that we are recording was uh, on August first. And it is that um, a group of fans did a Half-Life 2 remastered collection mm-hmm. that's completely fan-made and I believe is free, but apparently it has Valve's consent. The article does not specifically state whether Valve has given their... their <laughs> I can't put in more scat, man. Whether Valve has given their consent, but... Um, it apparently does like a fairly good graphic overhaul of Half-Life 2 hmm. and it will probably be available for free and I mean it will obviously be available for free but it brings up the point that if a company like Valve supposing that they aren't eventually going to take this down which goodness knows we might have to do an intro at the beginning of this one talking about that um there's a, there's a difference in companies perceptions of it like they're not losing money yeah, You know, they didn't have to wait for someone to hack their source code. They're very open about the whole thing in the first place. And if someone's not profiting off of it, then what are you getting? Well, you're getting advertising that you didn't have to pay for, but which you directly profit from. So, yeah, it's, it's definitely not to, interesting for sure. It, it's, it's, a, it's a dichotomy. And again, I don't have all the details and it seems that Eurogamer does not have all of the details either. I'm assuming it's a developing situation, but mm-hmm. it... It makes sense on one level to restrict 
access to stuff like that and restrict distribution of stuff that you own. But if if someone loves something you made enough to make their own thing out of it, maybe don't shut them down out of hand. If they're legitimately taking advantage of you, then you can have a conversation about it through whatever means are necessary, but... Well, the thing with the, and this is actually the final thing that I'll say on, on and this I will whole not note, follow but, up. but is that, so Warhammer as a franchise is popular, but frankly, it's not popular to the point where it's got mass appeal. I could go out and find people on the street and ask them, do you know about Warhammer Fantasy or Warhammer 40K? And I can almost guarantee you that like, I'll find a ton of people that have no idea. Whereas if I go out there and I'm like, have you heard about, um, frankly, maybe even Half-Life, but definitely Star Wars Lord of the Rings, you know, people know about that. So I can understand the bigger protection around that because they don't need help getting things out there. The interesting thing about the Warhammer debacle is Warhammer's not popular enough because GW is not that big of a company. Historically, they haven't been able to have all that much reach, and it's largely been kind of a grassroots grown effort to get this in front of people with fans saying, hey, I love this world. Check out this world that's super cool. And so it's kind of just a shot in the foot um, to people that have been supporting the company with these labors of love to just suddenly be like, okay, you're not allowed to do that anymore. Like join us or get out. We don't care about you anymore. You're not allowed to do it. When in reality, it's been this huge grassroots movement. So I think that's the big difference. I can understand companies wanting to protect their IP. It just looks really bad in my opinion when you're not all that well-known, people are helping you become more well-known through passion projects. And then you turn around and kind of, you know, shit on their car uh, or desk or whatever. So that's my yeah. kind of bow on it. Yeah, I, I, I even have a problem with fan projects that intend to have no financial return um, using imagery from well-protected IPs. Like there's there's been some incredible Star Wars fan films that have not only been taken down, but I believe even like threatened with fines. Yeah. Um, and that sucks shit too. So, because I mean, they're not taking it from you. But regardless, I, I am now done with that topic. <laughs> um. Well, I mean, so we can move on and, some, and progress in our journey to discuss things. Somewhat related, though, to your your one comment on the Half Life Two remaster. I mean, that's what we're covering today: remasters, remakes, and re-releases. Three different things that sound very, very similar, but are in fact all sort of different in their own way. Um, so, like I was saying to you, Aaron, I had some. Um, I believe this is tech radar, although I said I'd get the link. I'll have to find it again. Um, but good. we got some some definitions here for the differences between them because I think it's important to go into it. Uh, so, you know, the one I have for remaster is uh, basically a remaster is a remastering. Usually, duh, usually uh, involves enhancing the quality of an original master version, meaning the fabric of the source is merely enhanced rather than modified so, so in that in that case think of something like uh the godfather or um a clockwork orange a clockwork orange is a great example because they're coming out with a 4k remaster of a clockwork orange they reshot nothing they recast nothing they used modern technology to either transfer the film to digital and then enhance it in that manner or you know, something that I'm way too stupid to understand entirely, but it's the original film remastered in re new resolution, clearer colors, less grainy, more looking like a modern movie, except for the cinematography. All they did was adjust the source material to look newer. 
Yeah, and I mean, that's like, uh, when we were talking about it, I think the Master Chief Collection is the example that came to our, you know, came to mind. Yeah. With some of the revisions, they basically just overhauled a massive amount of the game graphically. Yeah, graphically was was really the only thing that I felt, because I I, I never played the original. I played one of them or two of them a couple of times, but I didn't really play Halo until the Master Chief Collection, and that was a remaster. Mm -hmm. Also technically a re-release, but a remaster, a re-released remaster. Well, it's um, kind of like one of those but, things where it's like, what is it? A, a square? It's a, a square rectangle. and a rectangle. Or, or yeah, yep. all rectangles are squares, but not all squares are rectangles kind of a thing or whatever. The, no, yeah. it's the opposite of that. Well, yeah. All squares right. are rectangles, but not all rectangles are squares. Yeah. Um, maybe you just said that and I said it in reverse and I just sound like the biggest douche ever. But yeah, in that game, you could even just switch uh, between the original version's graphics and the new version's graphics with the touch of a button but didn't feel any real gameplay difference mm -hmm. um i'm not sure how much work was done behind the scenes to like update the frame rate which would probably still that would, would definitely still fall under the uh, umbrella of a remaster mm -hmm. but yeah that's that's a really good example uh next we have remake uh the word remake basically means a completely new game based on uh sorry i'm saying that weird a remake basically means a completely new game based on an older game usually a classic but there are variations on how this is defined so um for me on that one i i kind of view that as being a more extensive reworking than just like the graphics it's um, themselves um so you know actually potentially updating the mechanics so that they're um more like future proofed or more fitting for like a modern day audience um, I think, I mean, isn't the new Dead Space game, that's a remake. That's not a remaster. We can expect that to probably be updated in a few ways mechanically, in addition to graphics. It's possible. There's even been, so, that that does bring up, okay, that, that brings up a thing that where there's a, 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 there's a weird, like, gray area between remakes and remasters, and I don't want to dwell too long in the, def, the, def, the, the definition zone but um skyward sword hd is a remaster yeah it's an hd remaster but they did introduce several quality of life improvements noticeably making fee less annoying <laughs> uh and you know allowing you to skip certain tutorials after you've heard them for the 138,000th time so that's not an exclusive thing between remakes and remasters, but a remake in my mind, which which leads into this thing where it says there's a variety of, you know, different ways that this could manifest. A remake, well, I'm sorry, a remaster could be that, or it could be... Skyward Sword. Like, a remaster could be Skyward Sword, or it could be a remake. It depends on how the, the developer and the publisher and ultimately the marketing team wants to define it. Because they definitely did not remake the entirety of Skyward Sword the same way that they remade the entirety of Link's Awakening. Yeah, I mean, I think... Right? I think, like, the way that I like to see it... Because, okay, so first of all, yeah, I want to hit that on the head. So remake, re-release, remaster, I feel like largely they're just marketing terms, terms and they get used interchangeably to make things sound more or less enticing. Probably more enticing. I don't know why you'd want to make something sound less enticing from a marketing perspective, but, like... Well, probably not to oversell, because I think the reason that they marketed Skyward Sword 
as an HD remaster mm-hmm. was because they changed like two things. I guess that's fair. Well, because I think like I would almost like to say that I really only consider things to be remaster or sorry remakes if there's like considerable overhauls and not just like graphical updates but the examples that we have like later on um are like the new spyro and the new crash bandicoot game i would call those complete remakes because those have had massive overhauls like there are entirely new models for each of the characters i believe the voice acting was redone i don't even know that there was voice acting in the originals i don't think there was i haven't played the original spyro in such a long time but like yeah, so much grip. additional work was put in, I would call that a remake and not a remaster. So the definitions are fuzzy, but that's kind of how we're going to be, yeah. or I'm going to be referring well, to it at least. And then, and then uh, re-release was the, the final one. Yeah, and, and that's kind Which of is just literally, I think, a port. So that's like yeah. Horizon Zero would, Dawn being ported to PC. You you took the words right out of my mouth. <laughs> oh, were you really? You were going to use that example? I was going to say, well, no, not even the example. I was going to try and find an example, oh. but I was going to say it, it's basically synonymous with port. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, so now that we've gone through that fun. Um, our, our we first, did so very clearly. Very, very clearly. Um, we are going to talk a little bit about price. So what is an acceptable price for a remake, remaster, or re-release, Aaron? Well, it's different for all of them, and it's different for various different reasons, not all of which I have access to as a human. Um, my my general breakdown of it, if I had to do like a TLDR version, which I'm not good at, but I'll try, is a full remake could conceivably earn, or could conceivably be worth full price. Um, a remaster, I think, should be marked down, and I think a re-release will depend on timing. Yeah, I mean, I think I'd largely agree with that. I think that's the typical order, because remakes have, at least conventionally, the most work put into them to remake the product, literally, a remaster has additional work, you know, there's probably texture updates, there may be some cinematic updates, maybe some small quality of life things, but you know, nothing too Probably a lot of stuff on crazy. the engine side. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then, like, re-release, I, I mean, I'm not gonna under, I don't wanna undermine how hard it is to port a game, because I'm sure it's not easy, but it's, typically it's that is... not. It's not hard? Well, it's, at least my dumb college brain found it hard. Oh, it is difficult. Okay, sorry. I found, um, it, I found it kind of challenging. Well, well, I, I thought you were saying it was easy, and I was like, oh, well, that's a surprise. No, it's, it's, I didn't find it easy. <laughs> but, um, Are you enjoying this ASMR episode of SPR? I'm trying my this best. This bad ASMR. You, uh, Let me find something to crinkle. Oh, Lord, please don't do that. That uh, would only further distract... Oh, there goes the pages. No, that's... I'm giving you a very bad haircut. I don't even think I've ever had a haircut that sounds like that, but I hope you didn't. I'll get back to you. Anyway, um, bad <laughs> ASMR man is gone. Uh, continue, Zach, with the point that you were making that was actually very good. <laughs> oh, I, I mean, I was just saying I think that I agree with you in that typical order. What I will say, in my opinion, is that 
I typically do not want to pay over $40 for remakes, remasters, and re-releases, and I think typically that's pretty in line with, like, what the industry puts out. So, like, just some examples that I, I threw on this document. Skyrim Special Edition came out in 2016. It Well, it's come out. Some version of Skyrim has come out way more than just that, but $40 on Steam. Spyro Reignited Trilogy, $40. Crash Bandicoot Insane Trilogy, $40. The Resident Evil 2 remake. You know, basically there's a lot of them that are either at $40 or under $40. Uh, And there are some exceptions that go over that. Like the Resident Evil 3 remake is actually $60. And then you've got like Skyward Sword HD, which um, I think you said is 60. Yeah. So, I mean, clearly that's not a a hard and fast rule. But uh, that's me personally. I I think I like to stick to the $40 role as as much as possible so so my 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 opinion i mean here here's the problem as a consumer because i don't work on the the back side of the games industry like i'm not i'm not the one you know working long nights i'm not the one sitting at my computer trying to crush bugs as i attempt to translate old software built for old hardware onto new hardware where i need to basically you know, either relearn a language or learn a language from someone who speaks a different language. That's not a direct one-to-one, but there's a lot of difference. I feel like the difference to me comes in what it offers. So like, let me think about this. Okay. So in terms of a re-release technically, right? Um, I've got a copy of The Witcher 3 Wild Hunt mm-hmm. sitting directly next to me. Um, for the Nintendo Switch. I paid full price for that. I paid $60 for that. Because being able to play The Witcher 3 Wild Hunt on my Switch seemed like a pretty good value proposition. Mm-hmm. Even though by the time that it came out, it was several years old. And I knew it would not run particularly well. I mean, it runs surprisingly well on the Switch. But I knew it wouldn't run better on the Switch than on my PC. Yeah. Um, now, if someone approached me with... Uh, a remaster... No, a re-release of Dishonored 1. We're going to re-release Dishonored 1. And we're going to do it to the PlayStation 5. Well, first I'd have to say I don't own one of those because no one does, <laughs> statistically. But I would say, no, I don't think $60 is enough for me to do that because I don't think that the experience is going to be different enough from my PlayStation 3 version and the version that I bought in a Humble Bundle a billion years ago from my PC. So mm-hmm. no, like, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to pay that much for it. I would probably pay, if I had to pay it, 20 max for something like that. Yeah. Um. Now... Would I pay any amount of money for Skyrim at this point, given how many different consoles it's on? Uh, If someone... Well, first off, you should not remake Skyrim. Please, please, if you're listening, Todd. Todd, please don't make... Don't, don't, do not tell them to make Skyrim twice. We've already basically had Skyrim a hundred times. Please, Todd, please. Um, I would say probably for Skyrim at this point... Because it came out in, what, 2011? It was the sophomore year of high school for me. I'm not sure if we were in the same class, um, but 
I remember the trailer. I think it came out on 11 11 11 or 11 1 11 or yeah, something, it was like, something that. like that. Yeah. But it was 2011 and that that nasty boy is 20 it's not 20 years old. Wowzer. I I graduated ten. high school, I promise. Uh it's 10 <laughs> years old. I, and it's been released on 150,000 things and it's been sold at full price every time. I will not for the novelty of playing it on my Switch buy Skyrim. Well, so in fairness, it's forty dollars right now. It's not. It, it it was when it launched, I guess. I haven't checked it. <laughs> um, but that's so much for a remaster. For okay, look, I'll just I'll try and come up with with numbers. A full remake, like a straight up to ground remake. I paid. Um, uh, I paid launch price, which I think was either forty or fifty for the Resident Evil Two remaster. Or not remaster, remake. Um, because I'd never played the game, and I wanted the quality of life improvements, and I wanted the new graphics. So I got it, and it was great. I was happy with the the, the, the 40 bucks I paid for it. Mm. That was awesome. Um, would I pay that much for a complete remake of Skyrim? Absolutely no, I would not. <laughs> That's... Uh, no. I would not pay... Why would you do that? I mean, you could put that money to making a new game. And there we bring up the conversation of resources. And I realized I'd been rambling for a very long time. So, Well, the thing that I thought you were for sure going to head towards, and, and you didn't to my surprise, is we had the conversation around Mass Effect Legendary Edition. And the fact yeah, that that's okay, $60 in that really three games versus like the Resident Evil 3 remake, which is one game that is $60. And I thought that was particularly interesting because, like I was saying during that conversation, I think you could release just Mass Effect 1 as a complete remake. Or Frank, well, no, you'd probably have to do 1 as a remake because I think there's so many issues with 1 that people wouldn't buy, like, a remaster necessarily for $60. But if the first game got remade, I think people would pay $60 for that game. I'm fairly certain if they marketed it right, they could have sold the entire Mass Effect Legendary Edition for $60 for each game. I think what Mass Effect fans love those games enough that they could do it. I think you're probably right, and... Correct me if I'm wrong, we might have actually even talked about this on a previous episode. Have you played the Mass Effect games? I played all of them except for three. Okay. No. Um, I would not pay... In my current financial situation, <laughs> which is to say someone who doesn't have 60 bucks should just say, Wee! Um, let's, let's go. Let's just toss this around. Um, I would not pay $60 for a remake of mass effect but i can tell you i would be a hell of a lot more likely to pay 60 dollars for a remake of mass effect than i would a remaster which is why i think that bioware actually did a pretty smart thing Mm -hmm. by doing that kind of fusion remake remaster where remake comes in at like four percent of the total thing and then releasing them all at at threes because i own all three mass effect games from the original trilogy on two platforms each uh and if I had a PS5, I would have bought Mass Effect uh, Legendary Edition for it day one. Yeah. Because I love those games. So you completely drew up your point home. But the, the the remake aspect of it is something that I think would have benefited Mass Effect 1 a lot more than it would have benefited 2 or 3. Yeah, I don't think that... I mean, that's the interesting thing about a lot of these is like some games don't need... A full-blown remake. Some games it doesn't make sense. 
Some games, they just need, like, a touch-up. Like, a remaster may suffice um, versus, like, a whole remake. And, and you know what I've actually kind of realized, which I think is funny during this whole conversation, is I've been forgetting one of the biggest remakes that has come out in recent um, I think in, like recent history. That. And it's it's actually Doom. Um, Doom, it, uh, not Doom Eternal, but Doom whatever the first one technically the, the in the mo- reboot the more, i mean 20 what 24 13 14 something i thought like it was that? 2016 but i could be wrong could have been 16 um but technically yeah, it was 16 technically that's a remake i would say because i would disagree a, you would disagree with that being uh well i guess reboots aren't exactly the same as as remakes but the reason i would claim it could almost be a remake is i feel like it's a reimagining in a lot of ways of like the original games which needed like a massive overhaul in order to be like critically acclaimed in the modern age well of gaming what it, yeah i mean yes first off yes <laughs> um i would argue that it's not a remake it's closer to a reimagining but i would i would rather call it um a reconceptualization of it because it, it did take it or like a uh, even a spiritual successor i'd be willing to settle for that term because it took the core idea if you released doom today the original doom mm. with updated graphics that looked photorealistic blew everybody's minds no one had ever seen anything like that before but it had the same or very similar mechanics including the gun that you're basically taking out of your chest bone and pointing at demons um which is actually offered as an option in Doom. Uh, no one would play it. Because it just it just wouldn't work. So they took the core of the idea and they evolved it and they tweaked it and they played with it. And they took something that had an idea that worked and infused it into a new project that was true to itself without being disfaithful to you know, the, the, the game that so many people credit as like the 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 best or most original pure shooter so i i I feel like that's more of a reboot than a remake i i I don't think that it's a remake i think that that's a completely different thing i think that'd be like calling uh the james gunn's the suicide squad either directly a sequel or directly a reboot not one or the other or both but will be not both but one or the other uh, to the original David Ayer one, which was absolutely horrendous. It it exists in a weird ether space, right? Like, it took a concept and, and made it something similar enough, but modern enough to capture the imagination the way that people that played the original Doom did. It, yeah, I mean, I, su- I suppose it'd be probably more of a reboot than a remake. It, but I, I guess, like, the reason I even considered it being a remake is because the story's not all that different. I don't think well, from the original, but that's like, a- that's kind of like the whole point of a lot of this is that it like the lines between these things are not like they're clear. very blurry. Um, but yeah, I mean, it feels probably but- better to call it like a, a reboot, but I do think reboots in a way still fall into the conversation of you're taking content, you're taking IPs and you're repurposing them when they're yeah. successful in order to make money, which I think is kind of largely the, the overall thing we're kind of talking about here is which, the reuse yeah. of content. Now I do have an idea. And the value there. of that. Because how do you feel about God of War? I mean, God of War... 
God of War, the newest one, is a, I mean, it's a it's a reboot. Um, yeah. because you know, I mean, it's a different genre of game. Frankly, they they basically, mm-hmm. in my opinion, Sonyified it. And what I mean by that is they made it into the same kind of like narrative action game that like Uncharted is. Uh, you know, to a degree, The Last of Us are, and they really made it more narrative focused, where I feel like the original God of War trilogy was much more about the action and the, you know, beat up kind of style and the story kind of sat behind that. Um, yeah, I would agree with that. But I mean, like, I, I don't think that the the idea of using pre-existing content to fuel future iterations of it necessarily negates the idea that it's you know its own content so i don't think i mean like i feel like we were talking about graphics and code and whatnot i would be really surprised if there was an extensive amount of code and i would be gobsmacked if there was any amount of graphical information outside of maybe a couple of easter eggs that i didn't notice because i'm an idiot placed anywhere in doom uh so i call that its own game it's its own game it's it's made by the same team obviously not all the same people but you know i don't feel like it deserves any less recognition for driving its own IP forward than something like God of War, which took a hack and slash kind of arcadey fixed camera series into something that was almost a cinematic experience. Well, so I um, think I, I think that's the interesting thing, though, that that I maybe am trying to point out is is there's almost a negative connotation behind well not always but especially with disney right with disney remaking all of these movies that they're remaking right there's kind of an eye that roll of like point. you got me on that th- one there's like an eye roll moment of like great the remake they're remaking everything why are we remaking it when the original was fine whatever right so there's kind of like a weird negative connotation around remake remaster re-release whatever i'm not sure that reboot has that same connotation there but what i was going to say is I think the same amount of effort goes into a remake as a reboot, to a degree. I mean, maybe not as much, but if you're looking at, like, the remake, for example, of Crash Bandicoot, or specifically the new Spyro trilogy remake, it is impressive. Like, that is a ton of work that went into oh, remaking an incredible that game. Amount of work. And so I would say that that game in and of itself also stands on its own and is maybe not as impressive as a completely new title that basically reboots a franchise to like, I mean, doom is amazing for multiple reasons, amazing score, amazing graphics rebooted the franchise in a super successful way, et cetera. Right. But, um, agreed. I mean, I mean, the only reason I bring that up is like, I think it's important to also not belittle the work that goes into some of these re-releases, remasters, remakes, et cetera. I completely agree. Unless it's Skyrim. Cause at this point, like, I'm sorry, Cliffy B, but like, Bro, you're not adding anything new to your Skyrim special edition. Hey, Todd. Did I say Todd. Cliffy B? Oh you my did god! Say Cliffy B. I said Cliff. I've. Oh my god! Cliff Lazinski doesn't even come anywhere close to working for. No, wow, that's awful. No, no. And, <laughs> no, it's good. We'll just we'll just brush past that, and those people stop <laughs> listening by now. Um, or missed all the dumb things I just said. No, I I think that's a really I think that's actually a really salient point. Um, that you brought up at a surprisingly good time. Uh. Because I do roll my eyes at some of that stuff. Because in in my opinion, it's it's so the thing is the the problem is the way that we we it's not a problem. the The fact is that we all relate to the fiction that matters to us and the experiences that matter to us in different ways, right? So I don't need to see the Lion King in what they're calling live action, even though it isn't. 
why would I need to see that? I already saw The Lion King. You're not going to change the story. So you're remaking the movie. You're going to change the story a little bit. But you can't go too far because you're Disney. And you can't get too far away from it because you have a lot of adults who are going to pay a lot of money to bring their families to it. God of War, you've got a complete reimagining, which introduces another re into our now quadrilogy of re's. And it, it, and here's another one, reinvigorates the idea the same way that Doom did. So I would call Doom a reinvigoration the same way that I would call God of War a reinvigoration. Um, and I think that that's the same idea behind... It's, it's, it's why you'd want to bring an experience that meant something 15 <laughs> years ago to people now, because it could still. And if you can translate that to a modern audience, and that's incredible. But... And, and yeah, that deserves all the credit of being a new game. And in my opinion, the price. I, I have paid $60 for Doom in the past. I paid $60 for the original, not the original. I paid $60 for the uh, new God of War game. I'll pay $60 for Ragnarok. Yeah, I mean... I... Maybe more if it's on PS5. If I have a PS5 <laughs> by then. Yeah, I, I think um, that... I mean, certainly it, it reinvigorated the, the series. Like there's, there's no, there's no doubt about that at, at all. Um, I, I think kind of an interesting thing to re related to a lot of these games is the law between, you know, the original doom franchise and the new one, or, or sorry, the original doom series. And then the new one and the original God of war trilogy and this new trilogy that they're setting up. And well, the so direction is completely different. Well, so yes, the direction is completely different, but where I was going specifically is is one looking at the time but also because we had one more question we want to get through which is when is it okay to re-release a game whether that be a that remaster a of the game a remake of the game or a re-release of it um i mean the example that you brought up um last time was the rumored uh last of us um remake yes so um it's it's still it again it is very much still rumored um it feels kind of gross to worry that that may be sony capitalizing on the success of the last of us i mean obviously one but then part two and then the upcoming tv show on hbo um but i don't think that's a game that needs to be remade i already own two copies of it i have the remastered version for ps4 that came out right after the ps4 came out I can't imagine what you're going to do to it, considering, I mean, what, did that come out in, what, 2013? I want to say? I I don't even know. I have. I no. want to say it was 2013. Um, I can Google that and then correct myself and allow people to shame me should they so wish. But I don't think that's a game that has... has. Okay, I got it. <laughs> um, I don't think that's a game that, that has aged enough to be irrelevant mechanically. Or graphically. I mean, like, yeah, you look at it and it's it's not the world's prettiest game like it was in the in the the dawning years of the PlayStation 3, but it, it holds up. And the, the gameplay was you know a little bit more fluid in The Last of Us 2, but it wasn't incredibly drastically different moment to moment. So why devote the entire you know efforts of your staff in like retaining some of the code and maybe some of the animations only to remake a game that that isn't 
that far out of date when you could be devoting it to what is apparently a fair number of new projects. Yeah, I think that, that that one seems too soon for me. That one seems too soon for me. So, you know, the interesting thing is, like, I was trying to come up with, like, a year number, like, try my best to come up with, like, a hard and fast year. Can't do and it. And I was going to be like, oh, five years seems reasonable. And then I nope. looked and you're like, oh, The Last of Us came out in 2013. I'm like, oh, dear God, that game is, like, eight years old. Or, uh, math is hard, but, uh... Yeah, no, eight years old. The the appropriate number. Well, well, whatever, right? Um, Like, yeah. But, like, it feels like it's much newer. And so I think a part of, like, when does it make sense? Tech's moving so fast. Sorry, what was that? Oh, I just said tech is moving really fast. Well, well, yeah. So, I mean, there's the tech moving really fast, but it's, like, the game still holds up. I think it's a matter of, like, if the game still holds up, it doesn't make sense to necessarily remaster or remake it. And the reason I say that is because no one wants to pay more money for a game that they can play if you're not making any substantial changes. But that game doesn't require any substantial changes. So, like, maybe you can justify, like, a port of it to, like, a new console and in charging a slight uplift because it's, you know, the tech that goes into that. But, like, certainly you shouldn't be charging, you know, remaking the game completely uh for like sixty dollars or anything i think that's yeah. a little ridiculous which which is you know where, where i said like i i paid sixty dollars for the the ps4 re the the ps4 port mm-hmm. of the last of us part one bought it on day one because i love that game but if someone came to me tomorrow and said we'd like to reshoot with very few changes the coen brothers film no country for old men i would be like why yeah, because it holds well, up. Yeah, it holds up. You don't. It, you don't need to change it. Yeah, I, I mean, there's certainly some games that like benefit from some of the quality of life things for sure. I, I mean, like, for example, I would love an Oblivion um, remaster. I would rather or, see. I would rather see that than Skyrim. Absolutely. Um, or, or uh, because that game, frankly, could benefit from better animations, better graphics. Uh, you know, a whole bunch of UI, et cetera, right? Or I really love the black and white series, which is like super old, hasn't been touched in years, was a Lion's Head studio game. Um, but like a remake or re-release of that would be super cool because we just haven't seen anything. So it'd be really exciting if that IP was brought back to life in some way. But to your point, like um, there's some games that just like don't make sense because they hold up like Horizon Zero Dawn a re-release onto PC can make sense, but like, why would you remake that game? It's largely still fine. Um, And and you're also, to be completely honest, at that point, while you're porting it, you're doing stuff that's going to make it work best on PC. So you're already doing some of the things that would go into making it work on a certain platform that might also echo things that are working in a, in a, a, a remaster in quotations. Right, so it's not that old. It still holds up. Um, you put in Diablo two, and you know just just games like that cost money, and then <laughs> why? Why I mean, like that that game came out in a, a, how long ago did Diablo two come out? Well, so the one thing I will say, people are incredibly excited for the Diablo two remake, and it's supposedly no, that's great because that's really why I'm curious. Good. When did it come out? <laughs> um, oh, I thought you were about to say that. Why are they remaking Diablo 2? Uh, Diablo no, 2 I came was... out in 2000, so that is a 21-year-old game. See, now that makes sense to me. Yeah, I would say if your game's 20-plus years old, I mean, we'll see what happens with tech, because, you know, I feel like we're going to start getting diminishing returns in terms of, like, how much 
gameplay meaningfully changes, but certainly like 20 year old games to now, I think you could justify potentially doing like a reboot. I mean, we're seeing like, is it Age of Empires is what Microsoft owns? I think they own that one. Empires Definitive Edition. Anyway, Microsoft is remaking, I think it's Age of Empires, the RTS. I would play that because I loved Age of Empires as a kid. But like, uh, but but, I, but what I play six would I pay sixty bucks for it? Maybe it's not Age of Empires. Maybe it's something. Else. Well, my my it's point not, is it's, is it's like those kind of games, right? Like they're graphically kind of outdated. They could benefit from better graphics. They could benefit from the updates that we've gotten with like if modern someone tech. remade uh, Red Space One today with a good budget and a good team, I would play that. If someone remade any of the siphon filter games actually that would be a really good one to remake and then put in a bundle with other siphon filter games i would play the hell out of those what is red space i don't even know that i know red space oh my god red faction oh okay i got i got all mixed up i was thinking of the val kilmer film red planet and also dead space and also red faction i thought you were talking about Um, i thought it was like maybe like a red alert spinoff if you remember that game nope i do remember that game (laughs) that's a game that's old that could be updated like that was pretty popular i think i don't think there's been a new red alert game in a while but i do not think there has but i mean i don't know the the entire cost thing is something that i'm just not remotely informed enough to talk about you have an entire article in here about like tracking cost of games um over the last like 15 years i think yeah and it's it's i I, there's a reason that i'm not on that end of the business i could not possibly decide what that is and the bottom line is unfortunately i don't think developers decide what that price is either even though there's the one they're the ones doing the work Right. Yeah. And that brings up my my, you know, final serious point, which is if I knew that a substantial portion of a remake, remaster or re-release was going directly to the people who did the legwork, I would feel more inclined to pay a slightly higher price. It probably would not make me spend $60 on an Age of Empires remake, but, you know... If it went ten bucks out of my price range and I could support people who I knew did a good job and I knew that it would go to them, be a hell of a lot more encouraged to do so. Yeah, I mean I think I think the hard thing for me on this is like from the business side, a game's gonna cost what it's gonna cost. Like us as the consumer may not see the value in a new project or in like a remake of a game or a re-release, remaster, whatever you want to say, right? Depending on what they add, we as the consumers may not see the value. But, like, if the game costs a lot of money to graphically update and that's what it costs, then, like, frankly, they're going to make the price point be what it needs to be. It's hard for me to make, you know, go one way or the other because I don't know the the, the numbers on the back end. What I will say, though, that's, you know, the, the other side of it is us as consumers, we're not guaranteed to see the value of these updates that companies are making. And so I think that's why this is kind of, like, an interesting topic is because it's, like, you know, what what uh when is it okay to re-release a game well like largely i'd be like a re-release is pretty okay if you're porting it to like a new console gen or if it hasn't been on a certain thing like pc like i'm not offended by that but like it it's not as simple for like remakes or remasters there's not really like a right time it's kind of just like the culture around the game like understanding your consumers and what they're willing to pay because 
you know, I'm sure some people, uh, frankly, don't want to pay. Um, well, I'll put it this way. I know plenty of people that bought the Resident Evil 3 remake. Do I want to buy it for $60? No, I don't want to buy it for $60. Um, but other people did. So clearly there's like a, you know, difference in how people are valuing stuff. So it's, you know, it's down to the individual yeah. to a degree, but there's a lot I mean, there it's, it's, to unpack. It's, it's down to the individual to an extraordinary degree because the only people who buy things are individuals, but it's up to the people who are pricing it to gauge how much it's going to be. And then it's up to the individuals to decide if they, you know, want to pay for it. Um, and yeah, no, I'm with you. There, there are games that I absolutely would not pay for a remake or a remaster because I figure like the one I've got worked just fine five years ago, <laughs> but yeah. man, I don't know. There's, there's a whole lot to it. And I hate to end every conversation with, we really just don't have the actual answers for it because the numbers exist in a corporate drawing desk. That's not what it's called. <laughs> uh, I was thinking drawing room for some reason, but like some some safe somewhere which we don't have access to. So Although I don't I... know. You just have to feel it out moment by moment. But I, I do feel a little bit gross when a, a, a million, 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 million dollar game gets remastered five years later mm-hmm. instead of just ported. Or gets remade not that long after. And it will probably cost a lot of people a lot of time and a lot of money. And then they'll sell it for 60 or $70 as a whole new experience. Even though it might not be. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely more of a consumer-facing issue. I feel like a lot of like a decent amount of the stuff we tackle is sometimes more on the developers. And certainly there is a developer component of this. But... Um, you know, the cost, and then when is it okay, when is it not okay? I feel like that's more of, like, a consumer-facing question. And the one thing I do want to end on, and this is literally my last thing, and it's not a super serious note, but I just wanted to bring it up as a final um, slight against Skyrim, which is uh, I have the (laughs) non-special edition version of Skyrim on Steam. I literally cannot play the game without mods because my game will flip out and literally spin the wagon that you're in in the very beginning when you spawn in. And the reason is supposedly because moderate, like my updated computer or something is like runs too many frames a second. I I can't remember. It's something absolutely goofy. That's basically my computer is too good to run the shitty version of Skyrim that I bought not even that long ago, like maybe like 20, like 13 or something for my computer used to run fine i can't run it now so literally like i have to pay bethesda to play a game that i already played and i don't even want the special edition like that's the thing that's really frustrating for me on that specific game but anyway that's all i had on this topic there's a lot of other stuff but it's all kind of circular and and people don't hear me talk we're we we could we could probably go on for another i don't know 27 hours but no one want to listen to that I, i would say um if you want the game, buy the game. If you don't really want the game, and especially if you already own the game, don't... Unless they're really doing some cool stuff. Like, I would argue that there is a merit to buying Master Chief Collection. Um, if for no other reason. Or or just buying the Halo 1. Just to be able to toggle between what it used to look like and what it looks like now. It is really cool. It's really cool. Um, but... Other than that, 
you know, it's just up to consumers. You're right. It's more of a consumer facing issue. And if I keep going, this will be a 48 hour episode. Um, so on that note, I suppose we should probably, uh, take our exit unless you had anything else, uh, of particular note that you would like to bring up. Nope. That's, uh, that's all I had other than my, my end of the episode. Thank yous. Well, on that note, I suppose I should say thank you to Beach Girl uh, for providing our extraordinary and as yet unnamed theme song, which uh, pumps me up when I'm editing, both in the beginning and the end, and sometimes in the middle, even though I never include it. But sometimes I listen to it because it's just that good. And I believe I- you can find them on SoundCloud and on uh, Spotify and probably most anywhere where fine music can be found. And I would like to thank E. Dougie Art for the absolutely fantastic, phenomenal, and fabulous. Um, fabulous. Fabulous. Um, fabulous. I almost said emblem, but I meant to say uh, picture, profile picture. I don't know, whatever. Cover art. Cover art, thank you. I am so brain dead. Um, it's absolutely it, it's... great. We appreciate you every day. You can find E. Dougie Art on Etsy and Instagram under the same name. Or just, or just wave and hope that the person you're waving at is E. Dougie Art. How funny would that be? If it actually happened, if that missed connection actually came true, that would be rad. That would be that would be pretty interesting. All um, right, well, go to sleep tonight with a dream. Um, <laughs> and in the meantime, uh, this has been uh, Sunpatchers Acquired. My name uh, was at the beginning and still remains Aaron DeManna. And my name is Zach Frank. All right, well, uh, have a wonderful day, you beautiful human beings. Talk to everybody. I really didn't know this is the worst one. Now, we did a good one last time, and now I did a bad one. (laughs) Oh, God, bye!